0: You're listening to Thinkers What Works podcast. I'm Jason Todd with my co host, Alex Gary, and today, special guest, Nicole Sadao from NonprofitThrive.com. You'll hear why not for profits need to embrace a digital strategy, how they can utilize data to make more informed decisions, and a brilliant marketing tactic. But first, the sound check.
1: What is our, what is our bleeping policy?
0: Our bleeping policy? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that we have one. So it has.
2: I feel here. really proud that you guys are actually talking about a bleeping policy, and it's oh, the first yeah. time you've talked about it. Oh, and yeah. I'm here. That's right. awesome. Oh, good.
1: Well, we well see. Sunil's coming in next week, and he lets a few of those go. It seems like so. it came
0: up organically, but really, what we <laughs> wanted to tell you is there's no swearing on the podcast. <laughs> Just kidding. There, you can swear if you need to. If for emphasis, I've actually read a story once that says that the the people who swear are more truthful because they're re- more ready and willing to give you. Kind of just the the raw the rough, facts. Yep. Yeah. Right?
2: I've I've actually heard the same thing. Yeah. And it's a stress reliever as long as they're not literally right like peppering the whole yeah. conversation with it.
0: Right. Not but gratuitous swearing. Yeah. But if you just, need to, like, yeah, it's like a pressure cooker.
2: Yeah. And this we kind of tell our kids is, yes, you're going to hear it, but it's usually because some because we're so angry at you, child. Cut me off. That's all. Yeah. It's in traffic. <laughs> Oh, see? Beep. Oh, sorry. Did I
1: miss that one? Yes, you did. So Nicole the founder of Nonprofit Thrive and Rage Driver. Is that what you're trying to tell us?
2: I'm just saying if there's purgatory, I'm definitely going to be like in traffic, and I have to make through the first like, five, 10 minutes without-
0: Traffic purgatory.
2: <laughs> yeah. That's going It'll just keep repeating that's gonna itself That's going to be my version of <laughs> purgatory <laughs> until I can master- <laughs> That with patience. Anywho,
0: <laughs> well, well, Nicole, we're super happy that you are with us. Nicole Sadal from nonprofitthrive.com, uh, which, if you wouldn't mind, give give our listeners an overview. What is nonprofitthrive.com?
2: Sure. Um, nonprofitthrive.com, in its simplest looking form, is a site where volunteers can go to find opportunities to volunteer for, for different nonprofits throughout their community. Um, the Kind of amazing part with nonprofit thrive though is it's so much more, um, especially for nonprofits. Uh, hence the name nonprofit thrive. It allows nonprofits to actually have data collection, uh, manage their volunteers, all under one system. And it it really has a lot of capabilities and is a true resource for nonprofits.
1: What uh, what sparked this idea?
2: Oh boy, that's a. Um, it came about. Quite a few years ago, just to start helping all nonprofits. It seemed like a big task, and it was one of those okay, then that means it has to happen through the internet. It's the only way you can get to everyone. The website actually started off looking very different than what it does now. So it's been an interesting process as an entrepreneur going from what that was to what it is now. Um, The genesis of of nonprofit thrive, so what it has evolved into um, actually had a lot to do with our local JC chapter um, in Freeport had to shut down. And if you're familiar with the JCs, they are a 40 and under group organization that is a service organization. And basically, they couldn't find any in that age range to step up and take over the reins to be leadership and keep the The um, chapter going. And so I went, my gosh, that's because they're, you know, nonprofits have to be where these millennials and really everybody is, which is in the digital space. And so that's how Nonprofit Thrive truly then evolved.
0: And you found then that with your experience with the JCs, they were dying because they could not engage, as, as I'm hearing it, they couldn't engage a younger audience because they just weren't communicating. With that younger audience, in ways that that younger audience understood, or?
2: correct. And okay. and I don't want to just shine light on on the JCS. Sure. I mean, that's pretty much every nonprofit's issue. Um, the United Way actually just came out with a study back last October that, after following millennials for five years, their takeaway statement was basically, you know, millennials are the up and coming force, and if you don't change to what they um, want and expect, and what their preferences are. You as a nonprofit will die out. Um, and I'm paraphrasing that, but that's that was the gist of their takeaway statement. And that's pretty powerful. And and one of the six preferences that they listed, that they kind of discovered with the millennial generation, is they truly find out about and donate to causes digitally. Period. Like
0: <laughs> so they find out so. about the causes they are interested in. Essentially, only digitally now is that is that the trend. That seeing? was that was wow.
2: The takeaway statement from or one of the the six listed items for the preferences of millennials mm-hmm. was that was and they donate both of them and we Not were talking... only discover but donate. I think that's even a huge takeaway. Right.
0: Yeah, and that that was that was one thing I wanted to get to. So we were talking earlier, I think, uh, before our before our, our recording, that people's tendency or preferences towards towards donating are towards donating to things that are more specific rather than just kind of a broad general fund type of donation they want to they want to see a specific opportunity that they can donate to that makes a difference uh, you know in in their community is that
1: is that what you're Correct. saying as
2: well yep okay. yep
1: that's concerning mm-hmm. i guess if you're a united way person which for years has been kind of an umbrella organization give to us and we'll make the decision
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, one thing i want to bring up you you talked about the jc's that's you know, not the only one, uh, over the 4th of July, I drove up to Minneapolis and my sister and I, she recruited me to go to a rotary meeting because she's involved in the rotary. Sure. And there were 18 people there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, that's, that was 90% of their club. So mm-hmm. they only have 20 and I was the youngest person there and I'm 48. Mm-hmm. And one of the discussions was, uh, how do we update the Facebook page? Only two people in the room use Facebook. You know, so if you're a Rotary Club and you're trying to get people who are in their 20s and 30s, you have to start rethinking how you do things.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Because again, that's how they're discovering you is in the digital space. It it can't be ignored. You have to, you have to switch there.
0: That's that's fascinating too, because I I think I pair that with what the statistic is that charitable giving is uh, growing by something like 4.8 percent this year, mm-hmm. and uh, another 4.9 percent. So, so even though there's a change in how people are finding out about information uh, or opportunities, they they are. It's not that they're not uh, donating. It's not that they're not volunteering their time. I think there's something like 63 million volunteers uh, in in the United States. So, a, a, a particularly large number of people volunteering, and they're giving more money statistically. So, we have to move towards that digital age mm-hmm. to be able to engage that audience, and then. And then, uh, I guess, for nonprofits to be able to take advantage of the people who are volunteering uh, and uh, want to give their time and their money.
2: Right. And, and you brought up the stat about um, the volunteerism in America. That's at about 25%. And that, that percentage really hasn't changed much. It's pretty uh, actually, consistent. Actually,
1: I think we, last year when we were working on this with you, uh, it's, it's been declining it's it's yeah. gone from like 29% to 28 to 27 to 26 to 25 and it's because piggybacks. again yep. people who want to volunteer they're not the types that drive to places and and call they look on the phone and if you're not out there they don't really know that you're that you exist
2: right right so yeah it's it's interesting um, one of the again one of the preferences that the united way um, uh, report had for millennials, which is a huge change for nonprofits and something they're going to have to work at is, and I call it the dating model, because millennials give to and donate their time and money to um, causes, multiple causes early in engagement. So they're dating. They, they are not your commit right now, first time through the door, phone call kind of person. Um, so it's It's interesting because that is a total switch from what nonprofits are used to. They're used to a long-term, committed, you walk through the door and you're ours for the next three years answering the phones, kind of volunteering. That's not going to happen.
1: They used to be kind of a corporate thing, right? You would go to work for a certain company and this company is committed there and expected its employees to be committed there. But those kind of ties have, have frayed and changed over the years.
2: Some, some of, um, I know like there's certain ones where it's kind of corporate America has corporate nonprofits they deal with because it makes sense. So like Whirlpool and uh, Habitat for Humanity, you know, their employees are expected to work for or volunteer for Habitat for Humanity. And that makes sense. You're making the washers and dryers. They're the ones going in the homes, you know, it's a good, I, I get the connection. Um, but you're right. There's, there's some that, um, it, it drops off because they can't find the places easy enough for their employees.
0: So, the nonprofitthrive.com platform is designed to kind of intercept this change in volunteerism and how people are interacting with their op- volunteering opportunities and how they donate by doing what? What is this specifically? What are the elements of nonprofitthrive.com platform and how those
2: I, I actually, one of the um, most important elements is that it's actually designed around the volunteer as far as the look of it. Um, It is a very simple looking website. It's non-threatening. We're not trying to bombard anybody with sale pitches or anything like that. It's there for the volunteer. We're trying to take down all the barriers, as many as possible, for those volunteers to be able to start, (laughs) start the process of volunteering. Um, so I think that's that's really important. Um, but then, like I said, kind of under the hood of Nonprofit Thrive, it, it's really a powerful engine for nonprofits. Um, because we gather the information they need, we help them manage their volunteers with volunteer lists. There's a donate button so they can increase their donations right then and there while that potential volunteer has a heart and is looking for something to be involved in. Um, then you take that piece and now all of a sudden we also connect that with the schools and businesses. That's an element that's never been even looked at before. And yet you have all these businesses and schools who are trying to cultivate a giving back culture. And there's been no way until now with Nonprofit Thrive to actually truly connect them with these organizations because every platform if if there are matching platforms out there they are siloed for just that organization and that means the volunteer then has to figure out and has to reapply their you know uh input their information for every version of that where nonprofit nonprofit thrive everybody's using one version they've already got their account all they've got to do is is fill out the paperwork for that particular nonprofit, which that would be no surprise. Everybody does things differently when, once you're part of the organization. So, um, so yeah, it's it's a really a complete system, and the, the biggest reason is because it comes from the perspective of the, of the volunteer, which is me. <laughs> right.
0: So you built this platform really for yourself and how you interact with uh, nonprofits and along with the trends that you've been seeing in how – nonprofits acquire their volunteers and how their volunteers donate and then you also mentioned this this element of of kind of maybe a change in how nonprofits are managing their volunteers and the information that they need to have
2: yeah I think you know any a nonprofit is designated a nonprofit just because of tax codes that doesn't mean they don't need to bring in some money they have to in order to continue their mission in order to pay their staff so they still need to be able to function like a business in the sense of having good data to make good decisions for the future so that there is a future. <laughs> um, so Nonprofit Thrive uh, helps them collect this data. Like, For example, um, once people start donating on Nonprofit Thrive and they get their list, they can start sorting that, that data to see the trends. Is this person volunteering as well as donating. What is the percentage of our volunteers that donate or don't donate? You know, why would that be? How are, are they donating only in December? Are they donating other times? That you, you know, they can start looking at that and really making some forward-thinking decisions on, you know, when would be the best time to do a capital campaign, for example. You know, if they've got one month in there that seems to be a, a high month of donation, I would say that would be a good time to start a capital campaign. You and know? you're
0: seeing then that, from your experience, you're seeing that
1: not-for-profits, many of them don't utilize data in the best fashion. Right. For, from my experience with nonprofits, and I've been on a few boards, um, they do use data, but it takes forever, and a staffer has to compile it because it's usually in paper or in a computer where you got to run a report. And one of the statistics we were looking at was uh, 71% of nonprofits nonprofit professionals cite staff shortage as a mm-hmm. challenge in the face of planning a new digital strategy with your yep. system. It's push button.
2: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, and for, that's again, part of the passion behind nonprofit thrive is I really want nonprofits to stop having to do the minutiae. It's not that they don't have good intentions. It's not that they don't know they need the data. It's they don't have the staff or they're just, dealing with so much other things that sometimes just getting to their own mission is hard to do. You know, they're trying to just keep the doors open. So, so it has become a big issue. And I, 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 you know, created nonprofitthrive.com, hence the name Nonprofit Thrive, to truly um, free them up to be able to do mission-driven items.
1: Most mid-sized to small nonprofits are are not filled with experts, right? A large nonprofits like United Way, they have they have data analysts and things Correct. like that, but most of them are just uh, people who were in the organization and they've just kind of worked their way up the ladder. They don't know how to use the digital programs, and they don't have the money to bring somebody in with that kind of expertise. Correct. So, in this case, um, well, let's talk a little bit more about the kiosk system because one of the things uh, you talked about was tracking tracking time mm-hmm. automatically. So how does that work and how does that help?
2: Sure. So the kiosk is actually, um, we call it a kiosk mode um, because the platform has the ability to go into a mode where it replaces a paper sign-in. So instead of somebody having to actually take that piece of paper, do the data entry, figure out where it goes, then figure out where it goes from there, (laughs) Right. Um, What Nonprofit Thrive does is the volunteer just signs in using their phone number because they've got their account. If they don't, it just prompts them to quickly do an account. And once the event is done, because it's already in the system, the hours are instantly recorded to that nonprofit's dashboard. So they can start using that data to the volunteer's dashboard. So if they want it for their records, and then if there is a... um, third party, that school or business that wants to have those hours because, again, they're, they're requiring them, um, those hours can actually be sent directly to them as well. So there is no more trying to hunt down any hours and calling you know, six months after the fact and, again, a nonprofit dealing with the minutiae of trying to find that piece of paper.
0: <laughs> right. We so, were at the food bank um, now several months ago. We were at the food bank. And one of the sign-in processes there was on a, t- a pad of paper, you write down your name and you write down your phone number, and that proves that you were there. And then and then they take all that information and enter it by hand into, and I'm assuming, an Excel spreadsheet from what I saw. Uh, and then information is derived from that, of which then they get their reporting. So that you're saying that your platform then eliminates all of that paperwork shuffling back and forth and the time-consuming process of... Uh, of running your own reports, correct? Okay.
2: Yep. Gotcha. Yep. And because it's instant, you're not waiting for somebody to do that data entry, right? you yep. you know, you again, it's you know, a business, a school, you know, if somebody did their hours and it was a week before graduation, they've got those numbers right away. Um, so yeah, you, you're you're taking away that piece of it. Again, you're freeing up that staff person's time to do something much more valuable
0: right and i would guess our many, many of our listeners don't have any idea of what happens on behind the scenes at nonprofits uh, i think it's been eye opening for me to to uh, go with you and, and meet many of these folks and understand boy these these folks are really overworked there's oh, yeah. <laughs> you know one person managing you know 10 different things at a time yeah and and to try and do good in a community and then answer to a board and and, and everybody who takes advantage of, of a lot of these services, you know, as a, many of those people are unwilling to give their time, and then there's a lot of other people who, who uh, would be willing, but they don't even know that there are opportunities. So it's been very eye-opening, I think, to me to see uh, that there is such a gap uh, in technology and a gap in uh, the ability for volunteers to find the opportunities when they are, in fact, interested, and then um, the necessity of having a system that manages... It reduces the workload, and manages a lot of this volunteering uh, for for the directors. I think that's been great. So this is not something that you stumbled upon. I mean, this <laughs> you, you, what 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 happened here? You woke up one day and you're like, "Here's how all these things are going to connect." <laughs> of uh, course, and this is an amazing thing. And you wrote it all down. How th-
2: that what? is the entrepreneur story right there.
0: <laughs> right. So our podcast is always is about what works, uh, and you know, and then then by, by definition, what doesn't work. So. Tell yeah. us what, if from your experience, what what works? What are the elements? What are the key things in your in in your journey? What's kept you going? Uh, and then, maybe on, on the flip side of that, if anything comes to mind, you know, what's what have been the challenges? What hasn't worked?
2: So, I I'm actually a chiropractor by degree, and my husband and I own our own chiropractic office. So this really was, in, for my situation, was me stepping out on faith. I felt a calling that this was something I needed to do. And I had no idea what it looked like. So I just kept taking a step. It's the analogy, you know, how do you eat the elephant, right? All that. The picture, the vision that I have for Nonprofit Thrive is ginormous. So I have to just keep taking a step and be patient with it. Otherwise, I wouldn't probably keep going because it... But I know it's there. Like I, I see it so, so you see firmly. This,
0: you see a completed vision in your head. You absolutely. see how it all comes together. And you, it, you know. And our, our listeners don't have luxury of seeing you now, but you can, you can feel it. <laughs> you can feel it in your soul, can't yeah. you? Oh yeah. Okay.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and what's interesting, the the first version of the site had a different name and the whole thing. It's not that I didn't feel it then. I just I knew it wasn't quite right, and yet, I still knew I needed to keep going to, to find that peace. Um, I'll never forget. I was talking to a gentleman and I always, I give my joke that God doesn't read resumes after I say that I'm a chiropractor by degree. Cause you know, I usually get a good smile or a smirk out of it. And the gentleman that I was talking to, and I truly was at a point where I'm like, I don't know if I am supposed to keep going. And the gentleman turned to me, looked me square in my eyes and said, God has you exactly where you're supposed to be. You're supposed to be right here right now doing this. And it, it was one of those had anyone else said that to me, I would have been like, "Oh, thanks." But here's a gentleman I didn't know other than his name and what he did because I'd met him once before. And it's like, "All right, let's do this." So,
0: so So connect them that how does that how does that work work in your mind and your experience? How does you being in, in the right place, where exactly where you need to be, uh, how does that work with things that are working and maybe when things aren't working? How do you process that and move through it?
2: Because I know it's a process, it's all good. Even when things don't work, it's, it's truly all good because I know it's a process. Again, I see the big vision. So whatever I need to do along the way and the bumps and bruises that come along with that, it's going to get me to that vision. So I'm cool.
0: Do you have any specific examples of something that, that you feel has really worked? you firing on all cylinders and then, the, and then maybe a specific example of the opposite of that when it's, you feel like you're walking through the valley of shadow of death. Ooh,
2: <laughs> Ooh you got me on the spot with that one. Um, it's, it's the, the quietness. That's, that's, when it gets, that's when you get nervous as an entrepreneur.
0: How so, How so?
2: well because you don't know yet like everybody's a no if you never ask the question so when you ask the question and they haven't given you the the answer yet that's when you're kind of the pins and needles and like come on come on come on and then you had to realize they've got other things to do themselves <laughs> right <laughs> um you know this is my life my dream my vision um
0: and it sounds like you're talking specifically when you go to talk to people about the platform yeah and back comes nothing yeah and you're just holding out there waiting on something out of your control
2: here i am yep right yep that that's that's the hardest part but in all honesty it also then teaches just patience like this isn't a race this is a process Everything is being done in a timely fashion, whether I think so or not.
1: <laughs> well the interesting challenge you face it's like the chicken or the egg I mean if, if you open a, if I open a retail business, I have decided on what my project product is, I open the doors it's my job to go find customers mm-hmm. right? In your case, you're trying to build two audiences simultaneously. You. I mean, Facebook didn't even do that. They just open it up and you start talking to each other. In this case, you have to get nonprofits who are a little bit technology phobic to get their events on there at the same time. You're trying to get the name out, your name out to the volunteers to connect them with. Yep. Has, how much of a, You know, how much of a challenge has that been? You know, which group to go after?
2: Are you trying to get both mm-hmm. at the same time? Um, this sounds. It's kind of. <laughs> This might sound odd, but I try not to think about it too much because if I do, then I get into that vicious cycle of what should which one should I be focusing on and the answer is both. And learning not to spend time on those that truly don't get it yet. And that's okay. They'll they'll get it eventually. But I can't so I talk to both groups. Somebody's going to come along and they have um to, to bring it to the surface, but I, I don't necessarily target one or the other because they both do have to come along at the same time. And I make sure I focus on the ones that truly are interested, truly get it, and truly want, whether it's the nonprofit, truly wants the, you know, their nonprofit to stay around for a few more years, and or the volunteer groups, you know the schools, et cetera, that are truly honest about their giving back culture, that they want to have that easy platform for their population to utilize. So, yeah, it's, it's patience. It's just a lot of patience.
1: <laughs> how about messaging? In this journey of yours, how, what have you learned about maybe your pitch or your message? Have you, have you shortened it, changed it, sharpened it? I mean, what, what are the things you've learned through these meetings with these different groups?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Every pitch is is different. It gets tweaked a little bit because of who you're speaking with. And I have to be prepared for a out of the box comment to come my way. Um, like I had one that said, Oh, my gosh, we just purchased something just like this. And they do everything just like this. And, I, and I'm in my mind, I'm screaming, No, they don't. No, they don't. I'm telling you, they don't because you haven't seen the rest of the pitch yet. I'm telling you they don't. <laughs> and so I let her talk. And I said, Okay, I said, so I asked about the tracking and she told me how, and I said, well, we do ours a little bit differently, so you might want to just bear with me. So we get to that point and I could see her eyes get really big and I could see just her body language, probably a little upset they'd purchased anything, and um, especially when I said it's free. And uh, so that that's where my pitch is, you know, it's like I scream in my head a lot. And I pray my face doesn't show it. <laughs> so, if that
0: becomes your task, then it sounds to uh, continue with the message, push push through some of the barriers um, by either lowering them or, or communicating more clearly what your value proposition is.
2: Right, right. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because I'm going um, to your point earlier the chicken and the egg. You know, I've got two different groups that I'm going after that I'm I want to show value with my pitch on how we affect all the groups. Um, so that's been interesting too because some care to hear about that and some don't. They just want to know how it affects them personally. So that's kind of been interesting too.
0: So one of the characteristics that we talked about uh, was patience. What, what maybe has has been another characteristic of kind of pushing on in this entrepreneurial journey
2: you stay away from the self-doubt you know because that that creeps in because you're going to have your good days and your bad days um so when the self-doubt starts creeping in you gotta wipe it away and look at that vision again and and it's okay to change i mean that's what i i did i did a huge pivot to get to where we are right now and that's okay I've heard others who knew me from the very beginning who have said, I'm so proud of you. Like you listen to your audience, you listen to what they wanted and you changed. You didn't complain about it. You didn't. And I, I don't because it's not about me. <laughs> this, this is a greater vision. This is a greater, greater goal.
0: So how do you, how do you merge those two things? This idea of the vision, the vision you see so clearly, you feel it in your soul and then merge that with, uh, that some things work, some things don't work, and then you pivot with the needs of your audience. How do those things work together, holding the vision and then pivoting with the needs of your audience?
2: Because the vision is the needs of my audience, ultimately. Now, I am the audience as far as it comes from my eyes, as why it was created as a volunteer, as being on a board of directors for nonprofits, etc. But I certainly don't know all the ins and outs. Of every nonprofit or every volunteer need and all that. So, I absolutely want to hear from all of those entities on what their needs are. So, that's how, honestly, that's probably the easiest part because it is all about them. So, the vision can sustain itself really easily because of that.
1: Let's talk a little bit about the fun of being an entrepreneur because it's a totally different thing than what you were doing before. Yeah. Uh, one of our favorite little things is the pen. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> tell <laughs> us about that pen. <laughs>
2: no, this... I don't want to tell anybody about the pen. The pen is awesome. Well, give us. Give... <gasps> <gasps> you kidding me? Well, then I can't don't give tell us about the pen. Secrets, jeepers. <laughs> um, when I've gone to different events where I've been a vendor, you know, and I've I've been the the person at vendor shows where you're walking by really fast because you don't want to talk to the vendors. So, I came up with a little shtick to make them come over to my table. And it was the did you get your coffee scented pen? And they I mean they they were laser focused to walk by me until those words hit their brain. And then it was my I'm sorry, what? My what? So, it's quite a phenomenon. So, yeah, they came over and got at least to introduce them to Nonprofit Thrive and and Most of the people were so happy I called them over for a coffee-scented pen. Yeah, it's been quite the door opener for you. Yeah, because they really were like, man, I I wondered what you did.
0: So what I'd like to do is I'd like to make a recommendation to our audience that if they want to know anything about coffee-scented pens and how they can use those to their advantage, they should probably contact you.
2: Absolutely. All right.
0: So, Nicole, what would you say to yourself Looking back on the handful of years you've been doing this nonprofitthrive.com thing, uh, what would what would knowing what you know now? What would you say to yourself if you were first starting out? if you could talk to that person? I wouldn't want to. Why is that?
2: Because the process of, of learning it has gotten me here. If I went back and said anything to myself, <laughs> I might have screwed it up. I, I'm good the goods and bad like i'm good it's been a great experience so yeah no i wouldn't i'd shut myself up
0: <laughs> well on that note saying nothing to your former self <laughs>
2: saying because nothing nothing you're to good
0: <laughs> we'd like to thank you for being on this podcast uh it's always a pleasure to, to see you always a pleasure to hear from you uh learn more about your life and where you're headed thanks uh nicole and nonprofit uh, thrive.com yeah.
2: thank you for having me i appreciate it
0: That was Thinker's What Works podcast.